Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio. In the morning you are with Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh man, I'm just fantastic. So you've been a, good. You've been a big camp. Yes. And we've been struggling with lots and lots of FOMO here at this end. Oh, yeah, and you should be. Let me, let me just say this, you know, I actually I, I came back from big camp yesterday, left really early, and I caught, you know, a birthday lunch down here in Newcastle for my friend, like, just got in in time, and, and people were asking me, like, you yeah, know, was it good? Like, even though it was shorter this year, it was little big camp, and I said to them, listen, if you didn't go, then you should have went, and that's just the end of it. <laughs> okay, so if you didn't go to big camp this year and you're wondering what Lawson is talking about, it's a uh, annual Christian camp that takes place at Stewart's Point on the North New South Wales mm. coast. It happens annually. We didn't have it last year. It's been happening annually for like a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we didn't have it last year because of COVID. And this year we had a small version. Yes. Uh, it was Th- these are these are camps that are held in a number of different locations around Australia, and this was the only one to happen in Australia. Mm. All of the others were uh, cancelled or put off because of COVID, etc. But this one went ahead, so um, super proud of all of the people who got behind that and organised yeah. it and made it happen. And apparently, it was amazing. It was incredible. Like I could go on and on about how good Big Camp was, but I will say this because it was different. It was a lot shorter this year. Like instead of ten days, it was like five days um and i would say that that was actually a good thing because i've come home from big camp uh less tired less sick and less poor than ever before so because <laughs> usually i uh, you know i'm always staying up late uh you know running around in the rain and spending all my money at book sales so yeah <laughs> good, good stuff. no it was really 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 fantastic time you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have some positively different news this morning, Lawson. All right, Lyle. Okay, I read a story this morning. I came across a story this morning which just, you know, just moved my heart because it, it was a real throwback for me to the first time I ever came on radio. The first time I ever came on radio here at Faith FM, first time I ever hosted radio with Mon way back in the day, 2018, uh, we were in the midst of the bee crisis. And I talked about it because I was incredibly passionate on this subject. And we have here news from the United States that one of the biggest companies in the United States, can you guess who that is? Monsanto? No. Um, biggest companies in Apple? No, close, but not really. Microsoft. Close in size. No, close, close in size. <laughs> I don't know. I no, Walmart. One oh, of the, Walmart, yes. Of course, one of the biggest uh, companies in the United States because, uh, you know, it's a huge store that sells basically everything. Um, they're just going really hard in, like, their, their climate initiative. And a huge part of that is protecting the bees. So... They have decided um, they they will source 100% of fresh produce and floral items that it sells in its source um, from suppliers that adopt integrated pest management practices, and this will be fully in place by 2024. There you go. So in the next two years. Um, now, this affects the bees in a huge way because uh, a part of this climate protection strategy is that they go around and actually, like, mark and tag plants that are known pollinators for bees and make sure that they're not removed or dug up or tampered with or 
you know, had pesticide put on or anything like that so that they can't harm the bees. That's a huge effort. That's and it's a massive effort. Also, like, you know, this we're not just here to talk up Walmart, but I just, I just love this story because I just, you know, the the bees have been my passion for a long time. And now. the bees, are, and the bees are living. The bees are coming back. They're going to thrive, God willing, and we will get food. Amen. And you know, this is because this is this is the way that I look at it, right? So if you don't have bees, then you don't have, you know, like, lots of food. You could eat like corn. That's yeah, right. yeah, corn. But but it's like. If you don't have bees, then you don't have pollination. You don't have mm-hmm. pollination, you don't have flowers. Mm-hmm. If you don't have flowers, you don't have crops. Mm-hmm. You don't have crops, you don't have wheat. If you don't have wheat, you don't have bread. If you don't have bread, then you don't have garlic bread. Save the bees. Save the garlic bread, guys. Walmart <laughs> is doing the most for our beloved garlic bread. <laughs> the, the, the staple of my diet. I think, I, think, I think wheat is a wind pollinator, isn't it? Yeah, listen, I, I've just... But garlic isn't. Garlic is not. Gar- I'm pretty sure garlic requires bees, so there yep, you go. So- hey, I've got, got a text come through about Big Camp. got to read this one. Good to have the time to listen to Faith FM again, but our camp was a blessed camp. The highlight Amen. for me was the intergenerational tent with all the families worshipping together in the evenings. Very mm. special. That's amazing. Good Fantastic. Stuff. I think it's a, I think that's a really important concept that I totally support is the intergenerational worship. Yeah. And you know, you find that there are so many churches that actually avoid it. They they want to have this environment in which, you know, all the adults get to have a um, in quotes peaceful worship service without distraction from children. Mm. And it's the worst idea ever because the you know you separate the kids out and, and they <laughs> feel like second class citizens at church and so they just stop going to church. One of the reasons why our membership is plummeting as mm. far as Christianity goes in general, and churches that master intergenerational worship are the churches and the denominations that master it are the denominations that are growing mm. and thriving. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, I was just. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, listen, if you brought kids into this world, deal with them. <laughs> Take them to church. Absolutely. My them. kids went to went to church from when they first came home from hospital. Mm. Because I know as a preacher, the thing that scares me the most is when I preach and I can't hear kids playing up in the pews. Mm. Because it's a church with no future. Mm. That, that's really disturbing. That's really, really disturbing. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, getting into some some uh, more non-church-related environmental news, which I love so much, and particularly because this is probably our favorite kind of, uh, specifically mine and Lyle's favorite type of good environmental news, is that um, people are making electric vehicles, and that's really awesome. No, but um, because of be- because of talk, talk because they're fast. That's right. Yeah, because they go really <laughs> fast, is, uh, and uh, of course, Daimler trucks, which is you know. One of the, the the companies under the kind of the Chrysler banner, they have uh, for the last year now been testing out you know these new trucks that are going to go to the market in 2022, uh, fully electric trucks. They have two models, one that's like a full on like a, a tractor trailer that'll carry you know uh, semis and stuff. Um, the other one is like a box truck. And Lyle, I want you to get your head around this because I read this and I was like, man, Lyle will love this because this is about torque. So essentially, they're they're seeing. Actually, first I'll say this that um, one of the biggest problems with electric vehicles is their range. Yes. But these ones, they have a range of about 300 miles and it takes about 60 minutes. So, so about, about an, 500K. 500Ks and about an hour to charge the battery 
batteries back up to for some reason the statistic here is like an hour to charge it up to 80% so I guess it's more to charge it up to more like 100% but essentially you get a decent amount of charge after about so you an do, hour you do 500 k's then you have your lunch break and mm. then you can do say another 300 k's yeah Something like that. But one of the things I read here is that it's, uh, the the big tractor trailer one, it has 23,000 pound feet of torque, which is just what? insane. It's like a train. It's like literally like... like, like yeah. That's the kind of torque you have on like a locomotive. Yeah, to move like... A hundred cars. Or like, yeah, a massive. Yeah, so basically, you know, this is innovative technology that we will see um, here in Australia in the next year. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we're getting some. Are we getting some significant support for this uh, intergenerational tent at Big Camp? Oh, yeah. So uh, another text message just came through. We separated the children and youth at their request in a church I attended many years ago. The worst thing we ever allowed. Mm-hmm. Did not last too long. The separation was in more ways than one. I would not advise any church to do so for their spiritual sake and for the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Another big vote there for intergenerational worship. Um, and, of course, the research is very, very solid where you have intergenerational worship, the church stays together, and the children stay in the church at a much higher um, at a much higher rate. Well, we have, of course, a lot of uh, COVID resurgence uh, happening around the world. It seems to go in one wave after another after another. And we seem to be relatively quarantined from it here in Australia, which is a fantastic thing. One of the advantages of living on an island uh, continent. <laughs> yeah. But our biosecurity had a bit of a blitz over the year end and found that 24% of imported pork carried African swine flu. To Australia. That's a big number. Yeah, that's ma- that's one in, f- almost one in four pieces of, of pork. pork. That's right. And uh, what they found was that, well, obviously, you know, most of this goes to people's homes and it then gets cooked and so you get to eat, you know, cooked swine flu, which, you know, kills the bug and so it hasn't escaped into the community. So we don't have African swine flu, you know, running around pigs here in Australia and wiping out our... Uh, pig population, yet mm. it does show the danger of it and it shows what people are eating. Yeah. yeah. A quarter of all of your imported pork, you know, you buy that thing online, a quarter of it is going to have swine flu in it and, well, yum. Uh, <laughs> 1% of it 1% of it carried foot and mouth disease. They estimate, uh, and this was uh, between the 5th of November and the 31st of December, um, they found that there was 42.8 Tons of pork that came in as baggage on flights. That was obviously before we. Um, yeah, well, I think that's yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and nine point four tons arrived in the mail. People ordering it online. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So foot and mouth uh, disease gets out, and only one percent of it had foot and mouth. But that's still significant. If that gets out, it's going to cost Australia estimated fifty billion dollars, and uh, the African swine flu about two billion dollars mm. uh, because it, um, foot and mouth, of course, goes through all of your livestock. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the biggest danger is online food. So, yeah, avoid the pork. The Bible says don't eat the stuff. And God was not wrong when he said that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so interesting story here about immigration in the United States. Um, We we reported on this uh, a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago that Biden had pledged to increase the intake of 
refugees from 15,000 to 125,000. And I fully support taking refugees into a country. Mm. We then found that because of that pledge that there was uh, a, a bunch of approvals that were made, the NGOs all geared up for it, um, the accommodation was organ- organised for these um, refugees to come in, the flights were booked, people even turned up at airports in foreign countries only to have the flights cancelled and it's been a bit of a mystery as to why that is the case. Okay, so it turns out that what Biden did was that he approved... He signed, what, when he, what he actually signed into approval was to increase the number of approvals for refugees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to increase the speed at which those approvals would be made, but not increase the refugee cap. Mm. So the refugee cap remains at 15,000. hasn't done anything to change the refugee cap. Right, so yep. Try and wrap your head around that. Okay, okay. okay. Oh, <laughs> why did all these people get approved then? Okay, well, let me let me continue on. And, and the reason, one of the reasons that the refugee cap hasn't been increased is because um, he's opened the southern border with Mexico mm. and uh, pledged not to send illegal immigrants back. And so now all of the illegal immigrants have taken the places that the refugees would have taken. And so now there's no space. So, for instance, in March, there were 172,000 uh, illegal immigrants who came across the border. That's an increase of 71%. Um, 18,890 of them were unaccompanied children, uh, which is part of what they believe is the greatest um, um, child trafficking exercise that has, the world has ever seen. Um, and so what this has resulted in is huge camps, um, you know, massive black markets, a lot of people spending money with, um, you know, people smugglers, uh, basically a wave of human trafficking in children. And Biden then uh, just issued a gag order to cut off the press from accessing data about the immigrants who are crossing. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's becoming a huge humanitarian disaster there in the United States. Um, it's created limited space. There's massive crowding. Um, with the children that are coming in, this is just one example. They move that, that when children come in as unaccompanied minors, they begin in a federal detention facility mm. where they're processed and then they're sent to Department of Health and Housing units. Mm-hmm. Now, the waiting time for that process to work through last year was a 30-day average. Yeah. Okay, so because of the flood that has come across, um, by February that had climbed to an expected or a projected 276-day average, has now climbed to 507, and uh, they've opened up military bases, convention centres, all kinds of... Um, you know, facilities to try and house these people, but it's just becoming a massive, massive humanitarian crisis on the border. This is the United States. This is the US, and it kind of does your head in because, you know, as Christians, we need to support refugees. 100%, yeah. And, uh, you know, I get the fact that, you know, some people say, and and with a, a level of validity, a refugee is not somebody who has crossed four borders to get there. 
Mm. A refugee is somebody who is in crisis in the country they're in and they get out to the next nearest country they can get out to. But when they get out to that country, we shouldn't expect that country that you know happens to be living on the border to bear the burden, the, the sole burden of refugees. And we need to have a system where refugees are divvied up around the world and we need to be generous as, you know, as a wealthy country in welcoming refugees who mm. can't go back to their original country mm. and are stuck in a refugee camp you know, in, in kind of the first country that they crossed into. Um, and we need to have a process for bringing them in and to resettle them and to, ed, you know, educate them and teach them English and make them a part of Australia. Australia has become a richer place as a result of that. Mm. But when you just... And, and, and a lot of people have sort of said, well, you know, as Christians we should just have an open borders policy. But what that does is it favours people smugglers and it favours people who yes. can afford people smugglers, and it leaves out those who can't afford it because they are the ones who are in real crisis. Mm. And so we need to have an organised way of being able to deal with this. And, of course, the NGOs, and the uh, which are you know primarily, I think, the top five NGOs dealing with this in the US are all faith-based. Um, you know, this is what they're calling for. They're like, we need to have some kind of organisation here so that this can actually take place and people who need help can actually get the help that they need. Yes. Mm. Anyway. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Oh, yes, hello. Lyle. Ah, Etienne, welcome to the show. So good to have you here. Um, yes, thank you, Lyle. Lovely to be with you in Lawson and uh, to your dear listeners. Yes, and uh, of course you're coming to us from Voice of the Martyrs. Um, what's been happening in the last month? Let's catch a, get a, get an update of uh, what's been happening in the last month with Voice of the Martyrs. Right, well, persecution is still real. It's uh, still difficult for many Christians around the world. Uh, on a typical day in our time, 13 Christians will die for their faith today. Now, 12 Christians will be unjustly treated, detained or imprisoned. Uh, five Christians would be kidnapped today, on average. And, uh, you know, persecution against Christians has been rising now steadily for the last 15 years. Uh, it's at its highest in modern history than it's uh, been for many, many years. So it's tough for Christians out there, and our work is real. Uh, we have more demand for our uh, resources and our help and assistance than ever before. But, you know, by the grace of God, we, we do as much as we can. And even during COVID, although COVID's still ongoing, um, you know, the Lord is really blessed with people who've been generous, irrespective of their own challenges. And we've been able to uh, grow our ministry uh, over the past the 12 months or so. And if I you think, want to find out more about Voice of the Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that uh, ministries like Voice of the Martyrs that is standing up for religious liberty and for freedom around the world, uh, your work is only going to increase. I mean, it was uh, something that used to really only be relevant for, you know, some of these developing countries or 1040 countries, uh, but now it's really becoming relevant in pretty much every part of the world. And it seems that the direction that our world is going, that that is only going to increase where we're not going to see persecution in, you know, 10, 40 countries or developing countries backing off, but we're also going to see it increasing in Western countries. Well, that's true, Lola. Even for us who want to be a voice for the voiceless Christians who are persecuted out there, even we have faced some challenges. I mean, we were down, our Facebook page was down for a while, you know, when they... Uh, 
targeted all the news outlets here in Australia. We were down as well. But prior to that, we've been shut down previously um, without any word from Facebook in regards to what the challenges were, what protocols or what uh, you know what we had done that was wrong to, to shut down our ability to um, express our concerns and, of course, the stories of persecuted Christians. It turns out we just found out in the last week or so that the use of the word persecution is questionable. Or Facebook, and of course, through the algorithms, uh, they can target your uh, <laughs> your page. Then, so we've just looked at using some different words to express the same thing. But free speech and freedom of religion is under attack in first world countries, and uh, you know we've got a census coming up. I assume the government will be running their census, which is due every five years. But we believe that less than half of uh, Australians now would actually claim to be Christian. The previous census in 2016 said about 52 percent. But there was a decline of 8% on the 2011 census. So 8% decline, which predominantly actually went over to the secular mindset, you know, the ones who now have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And if that trend continued, we would be down to about 44%. Recent polls, well, last year, they said we were down to about 48%. So we now are a minority. And, of course, out of all those who claim to have a Christian worldview, um, a lot of those aren't practicing Christians. They just have a, a mental assent or it's part of the culture of their upbringing, but they don't attend church, they don't pray, they don't read their Bible. So things are quite difficult for us. And even for people who stand out for moral values, which were very common in uh, the early days of Australia, um, a man like Lyle Shelton, for example, he was the guy who ran ACL for many years before Martin Isles did. I mean, he just spoke out against the drag queens reading stories to children. And he's been uh, dragged before the tribunal. He uh, recently uh, appeared before them. But it's ongoing. He says actually the whole process is actually uh, used as a punishment against him. So he's having to look to fund his own way through this process. But the two um, men who, as drag queens, are taking him before the tribunal, uh, their case is being taxpayer-funded. So they can drag it out as long as they want to without, um, you know, without any cost to themselves. But we would like to encourage you to uh, to help us be a voice for the voiceless persecuted and to sign up to our newsletter or to download our app. Just go to vom.com.au and you'll find out more information there. Um, we also have a monthly persecution prayer meeting where we have people come online and they share. Quite often it's our frontline operatives. As last week, we just had someone out of Nigeria. Nigeria is in the top 10 as far as persecuted countries are concerned, and there's such a growth of persecution in Nigeria with Fulani herdsmen attacking Christians. Um, It's really difficult for Christians at the moment, and it was an incredible report we just had in the last week. So the Tuesday of every um, month at 7 p.m., Sydney, Melbourne time, uh, you can actually get online, so you just go to our vom.com.au to register for that. But in the last 12 months, under COVID, uh, persecution has risen considerably uh, in millions, tens of millions, about 80 million. So we're up to 340 million people around the world who are being harassed and persecuted now. And, of course, when we use the term persecution, we're talking about things as simple as such, you know, on the scale, vilification, threats and intimidation, dep- uh, deprivation of education and employment opportunities, uh, home raids, confiscation of Bibles, Dispossession of house or land or other property, uh, desecration of churches and graves, um, women and children being raped, destruction of villages and crops and businesses, just physical assault, uh, psychological abuse, imprisonment, often without charge, 
Um, even falsified evidence presented in uh, law courts. Uh, we see that a lot with blasphemy laws like in Pakistan, for example. Uh, torture for revenge or to extract information. Murder, genocide in order to annihilate entire Christian communities. So these are the things that we deal with. And uh, Voice of the Martyrs is based on Hebrews chapter 13, 3, which starts with the word remember. Now the Bible, the King James uses the word remember 144 times. But uh, I think these are the things that God knows we're going to forget. Uh, like, for example, the, the fourth commandment starts with the word remember as well. But Hebrews 13, 3 says, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are being mistreated, seeing you are yourselves in the body also, meaning the body of Christ. So I've got a little story to share here, Lyle, if that's okay. It's from a, uh, uh, India. It's a pastor's wife who was rescued from forced prostitution. Now, this is a recent story. This happened uh, late February this year. Now, Pastor Ramdrash and his wife, Sunita, had been uh, you know, ministering in a small church for 20 years. And over the years, they've endured frequent threats from members of the surrounding community. And in uh, February 21, Sunita was approached by someone in a village who asked if she could come to pray for someone who had allegedly been ill. Now, she simply went with the village and then suddenly disappeared. So quite often, they will appeal to the good nature of Christians who would be very desirous to pray for someone or to help help someone, and quite often it's a setup. We've seen this happen even with radio announcers in Uganda, where this pastor after presenting was actually ambushed and killed. But anyway, so she didn't return, so Pastor Randrash went searching for her, but unsuccessful. He approached the police, and initially the police actually weren't helpful at all. But then later, our in-country bomb ministry partners were able to assist, and so they filed a police report. Eventually, the investigating officials discovered that Sunita's abductors had made arrangements for human traffickers to purchase her. The traffickers then sold her to a brothel in the state of Rajasthan, which is 1,400, well, more than 1,400 kilometers away from where they lived. Mm. And then, thankfully, through the continued prayers of concerned believers, police were finally able to rescue Sunita, but this is after one month after her abduction. So she'd been through some terrible ordeals. So the captors, fortunately this time, have been arrested. And Sunita's now staying with her husband and children in a safe house that we've arranged for them. And uh, while grateful to be rescued and united with the family, Sunita is uh, presently needing a lot of prayer, a lot of healing after the trauma she's experienced. Yeah, it's so absolutely horrific. Stories, it's hard to even imagine the kind of horror of going through an experience like that and to go through it because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Very simple. That's the reason why these people are often targeted. It's, it's deliberate, uh, quite often it's vengeful. And then if you look at the Bible, the Bible is very clear on why there's persecution. People love darkness rather than light because light exposes their deeds that they are evil. Jesus said that very clearly. And also because they do not want to change from uh, you know what they do because they see the truth, they see it lived out in other people. Now, people like people that like them. You know, People like loving people. But when their love is so genuine and sincere that it makes other people look bad, or there's a call to repentance, which we all need, quite often there's quite a strong response, a satanic response to the purity and the truth and the beauty of the gospel. Jesus said that he, he came to bring peace, you know, peace and goodwill to men. But then when people reject the gospel, what it actually does, it brings a sword. It turns people against Christians. And we see that happening so often around the world. I was thinking about this over the weekend, and one of the things that I fear 
is the relative peace that we had amongst the Christian community. And it's very much relative because peace has never existed. But, you know, probably one of the, possibly one of the highest levels of peace that we ever had, you know, beginning in the 90s and the early 2000s, where you had the fall of communism. And of course, there was tremendous persecution of Christians by communists. And then you had, you know, even um, a relaxation of um, laws against Christianity in places like China and so forth. And, um, you know, previous to 9-11, you had, I guess, less uh, fundamentalist uh, persecution in the 1040 window and I think that it's given us the opportunity to sort of sit back and to relax a little bit and to not even recognize or to rec- less, have less recognition of the importance of a ministry like Voice of the Martyrs and uh, the recent uptick has caught us a bit by surprise and I think we're really only just starting to see the level of persecution, the level of infringements on religious liberty, uh, the level of, you know, even people dying for their faith around the world right now. And I, I think that, you know, this is one of the ministries, Voice of the Martyrs is one of the ministries that's going to become more and more relevant. I actually did a Facebook post on this and, and mentioned you guys over the weekend as one of the ministries that is going oh, to become you. more and more relevant, um, you know, in the coming months, the coming years, because our world is a changing place. And it's changing so quickly, Lyle. It's incredible the pace of change around the world. I mean, it, it makes your head spin when you think about it. But we are a minority in Australia now. Typically, persecution has been overseas, so it hasn't really affected us that much. That's why Voice in the Mars existed, to help Christians in the free world enter into fellowship with those who are being persecuted through prayer and, and through other means if they, if they choose to. But prayer is so powerful, and that's what persecuted Christians ask first and foremost for. But I think as we see things changing, even in our own country, uh, the desperation of, of the Christians who have a Christian worldview and they see that diminishing around the world, where now all of a sudden you're the foreigner, you're the stranger for holding a worldview which was fairly common going back 30, 40, 50 years, um, it's almost like uh, this will help us in our search for uh, you know being authentic as Christians and also to be a voice and to be a witness for the truth. I mean, the gospel surely hasn't lost its power. Now, I know people can sometimes water it down, and we know that people are free moral agents, and there's so many things in Australia to distract us, you know, things to occupy our time. But I think there's been a change systematically. Look at the Christianity going back 100 years ago to the Christianity now in many churches. I'm not putting everybody in there, but in many churches, and I'm being quite frank, uh, it's been watered down. It's more. It's a Christian social club. And when the gospel loses its power, it loses its influence on people to transform and change lives because no one can argue about the miracle of a transformed and changed life. But as we see things changing in Australia and the desperation, we quite often see in the Old Testament, you know, when Israel starts getting persecuted around them, getting attacked and harassed because of uh, apostasy, then they cry and they call back to God and God is able to restore them again. It's a time to seek for restoration in our own walk with the Lord and also to pray for Australia, to pray for the leadership here, because they've got some difficult decisions to make under severe pressure, especially pressure from the left-leaning politics, which is socialism, even leaning towards cultural Marxism and communism. 
Yes, indeed. I mean, we've seen the uh, result of, you know, cultural Marxism. We've seen the result of communism in particular. You know, hundreds of millions of, well, 100 million people dying as a result of that, you know, in the last 100 years. But uh, particularly from our perspective, the level of persecution that it brought against Christianity. Um, and it's, it's just a little bit scary to see how quickly people forget you know, what it was like, you know, even just 30, 40 years ago in communist countries and to start saying, oh, well, you know, that's not such a bad idea. Maybe it's time we, we brought that kind of thing back again. Well, that's true. You know, communism offers freedom and equality for everybody, but it doesn't deliver. I mean, history proves that time and time again. It's actually a lie. Indeed. And really, if you look at Revelation, if you look at Revelation, it's very clear that the, uh, the beast that comes out of the bottom of the spit and the angel fallen, which is Lucifer, is the one that releases out of the bottom of the spit that is actually a satanic power and a satanic uh, ideology. Mm, mm. Etienne, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith of the... uh, I'll get it right. On Faith FM, I nearly said Faith of the Martyrs and then I nearly said Voice voice of Faith FM. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. It's great to have you here as part of the show to give us a monthly update. We need this um, monthly reminder that our world is not as peaceful as we often think it is when we just sort of, you know, wake up in the morning and go to work like we normally do. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.